Hi everyone. I'm Astuti Martha Sudirjo and I am a life coach and a subconscious mind reprogrammer who dedicates this channel to discuss topics that may help you in uplifting you and your life. Welcome to Uplift My Life Today, the podcast. Grief. A big word. And it feels heavy. One that many, including myself once upon a time, was extremely uncomfortable with. Grief actually accompanies us throughout our lives. And through facing my own grief, I learned that it is a natural part of transformation, of growing, of shifting, of life. Grief is not only associated with death, but many more. So, do we know what it is? How to connect to it? and how to claim the gifts from it, stay engaged, as this episode is all about grief. For lack of a better word, I have faced so many major grief in my life, in addition to many minor ones. The death of my good friend when I was 11, the death of all my grandparents who I had great connections with before I turned 28, the burnout that I experienced when I was 34, and the passing of both my parents before I turned 43. Many of these really were unprocessed until my dad died suddenly in 2012. And that was the first time I met the choice to face grief head on to actually acknowledge that I'm grieving. And at that time, I was in so much pain that I knew deep down if I did not choose otherwise, I could only continue living my life half alive. So I sought for help. And the one who helped me then is joining us in this episode, Karen Hagelin. Welcome, Karen. Thank you so much, Tuti, for having me. <laughs> it's my pleasure. So let me just say a few words about Karin before we get going with this. Mm-hmm. Karin is a Zurich-based life crisis coach who helps people from all around the world manage grief, loss, and trauma. She helps her client get relief from stress and anxiety, release unhealthy patterns of thoughts and behavior, as well as to heal their relationships. For me, in 2013, when I asked the help from Karen, she helped me to understand what grief is, how often actually I faced this throughout my life without even realizing it. And she also facilitated a process for me to face them that in the end, I felt emotionally and physically fitter to continue with my life. Karen really helped me to learn some life skills to face grief, as it is indeed happening quite often in life. 
So my intention for this episode is to share with you all what grief is, why it is important to understand it, and how to face one when it visits. So thank you again, Karin, for being here. And welcome again. Thank you. (laughs) So let's just start off with this. How did you come to grief? How did you come to choose this as a profession? Also. Right. I mean, yeah, you don't wake up one day, right? And say, <laughs> no. oh, let's become a grief coach. Woo-hoo. No, obviously life had in store for me some really bumpy rides. I was working away in the hotel industry. I'm a hotel management uh, graduate from, from a school here in Switzerland, actually. Mm-hmm. And then in 2001, literally days after 9-11, my dad passed away in cancer. Mm-hmm. And he was only 59 years old. Mm-hmm. And I was in a very high stress job, middle management, 27 years old, thought I was absolutely, you know, on top of the world. And then this happened and I went into a almost two year period of a burnout. Mm. Date. Okay. I had tons of physical symptoms and we're going to talk about that yeah. later, but there was so much going on and I had no clue that that belonged to the grief process. Mm. So people thought I was ill or burnt out or whatever, but it it was something calling me to say that it's not that. Mm -hmm. And then I was sitting in, in the Metro in Stockholm where I was working at the time. And we had this, this newspaper uh, that you read on the, on the train and stuff. And in there was an ad saying, are you in grief? And I mean, this is 2001. So I cut that coupon out, (laughs) literally sent it in via post to order the book. Yes. Uh, And I did order the book and I started looking at it. And this was now 2003. So after I came out of my cloud, I ordered the book and I started reading it. And I was like, oh, This is way too hard to do by myself. So I just put it aside. In 2005, we moved down to Zurich. Yes. Me and my husband. The book came with us for some Mm -hmm. reason. And then in 2006, in September, our first daughter was born, Ingrid. Mm -hmm. And when she was three months old, we had the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the doctor was just telling us in broken English, that she has a terminal illness. Mm. It's a genetic disease called um, spinal muscle atrophy type 1. We had no idea what that was. It sounded like Greek. And the only thing I remember was that they said, those babies rarely make it to more than eight months. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she was three months at the time. Yeah, I'm so sorry. And our whole world shattered. Yeah. Um, so going through that whole process here in a country where we didn't speak the language that well and we didn't have the social circles around mm. us like you do in your home yeah. environment, we still decided to stay here and, yeah. and face it head on here. After that, you know, I just went back to corporate and started working and then we fell pregnant again. And yeah. No, our daughter Ingrid Aileen was born and then our son Victor was born. So fairly quickly after each other, yes. all healthy. But the feeling lingered 
And like, mm -hmm. what am I doing in a corporate office yeah. after all of that has happened? I need to find something that makes sense yeah. of the story. Yes. And I so remember my mom was down visiting us in Zurich and I was like, what am I supposed to do here? You know, yeah. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old and I'm not at all satisfied. And she mm -hmm. just pointed at the book I had ordered in 2003 mm. and said, why don't you check if they have courses? Mm -hmm. And I did because we were now online, everyone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I checked and they, they did indeed have courses to actually help other people like right. go going through the same process. So mm -hmm. I went up to Stockholm and I did the training and that was in 2012. Mm -hmm. And since then, I'm actually doing this as, as a job and yes. helping people facilitate and, and go through their grief journeys. Yeah, And obviously I've added more tools on top of that. So now yes. I can deal with most of the life crisis that we face. Yes. This is uh, amazing. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. And I am very, very grateful for you in 2013 because I was at the point where, you know, I was, I was crying, waiting for the tram. I just completely cannot hold it all together. It, I was very close with my father and it, he died suddenly. And, yeah. and at the time I was really doing my best to hold it up together. And then in Indonesia, and then when I came back to Zurich, I was collapsing. I mean, it was really, really difficult. And the, the feeling that I had was I really did not know how to live anymore, which is yeah. very shocking. I was even shocked by myself. How, why did you even feel this? But that's the true feeling at yeah. the time. I never had that up to that point in my life, not even when I had the burnout. So, so it was really like, wow, there's something here. And I was very grateful that you exist in Zurich and could help me through it. And, and I hope through this conversation, we can demystify grief. And I hope so, yes. Yes. Should we just talk about what grief is to begin with? So grief is just a natural and normal process that is built into all of us human beings mm -hmm. to deal with an adversity. Mm -hmm. We used to be very good at this. <laughs> okay. it, was, it was just a very normal part of life. Yes. It's just that in today's society, when we, very many of us, at least in the Western world, we live in our little boxes, our little flats. We have sort of de-learned how, mm -hmm. how to support people in grief. We live in very dense cities, but we're also very lonely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, if you look at old religions and, and culture, every single one has a built-in mm. how we deal with grief yes. <laughs> chapter in it. Like, yes. you know, you take it, you know, you... You have a year of grieving where you're dressed in black and everyone, you know, during a whole year, they come around with food and mm. they help and they cook and they watch for the kids and, and all of that. I mean, yeah. look at any society and they have a built-in strategy how we deal with grief. Yeah. And it's a very physical experience as well. Yeah. Nowadays, we... When people then come and tell their grief stories over and over and over, because that's one of the things that we have to do, enable to sort of in order to make sense of it all, 
we tell it and retell it and retell mm-hmm. it and retell it. And then people start to like, yeah, but that's like two weeks ago. Mm. It, uh, it's now three weeks ago. Are you still on about that? Mm. So it's like this, there's no more space mm. for people to, to tell their stories. And we need time. Mm-hmm. You know, the intellect needs to understand what has happened. The heart needs to understand mm. what has happened, that that person is not going to come back. Mm-hmm. And it will take a lot of time for for that understanding to, mm-hmm. to really, that we really understand it. Mm-hmm. We grasp that, you know, the person has died, but it's almost like the whole body, the whole nervous system needs to also understand. Yeah. Yeah. Because we always say, oh, it's, un- it's unreal. Correct. Right? Correct. Yeah. Especially when it is unexpected and mm-hmm. rather dramatic. Yes. Fashion. And sure. um, it's almost like the, the heart and the head needs time to connect the dots. And then that's yes. when you go like, oh no, now everything becomes real somehow. <laughs> What can trigger grief? The grief reaction can be triggered through the loss of a job, the loss of health, the loss of a position that we used to have or like for parents that are now empty nesters. Yeah. Like what do I do now? There's no one needing my attention. You know, one loss can trigger many other losses. Mm-hmm. So the death mm-hmm. of a loved one can trigger, you know, fear of the future and how, how will I cope now financially? Mm-hmm. Um, she was the social one. I don't have any friends. I never built that network. Mm. In extreme cases, it can also be triggered by, you know, you lose your hope, mm-hmm. you lose your faith. Mm-hmm. Like, how could God take my yeah. child, take my spouse, whatever? Yeah. Or we're good people. How could this, this situation happen. happen to us? Mm-hmm. Like, if it's a, you know, maybe the family business goes bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, how could that happen to us? We're good people. Yeah, we work so, hard. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And there's so many little like disappointments and stuff that can also trigger this sense of loss. The key word is sense of loss. I had a client, I remember, and this was very surprising because I was, I was not even thinking this was also grief. She said the first grief experience I had was when my cousins moved abroad. Yeah. They were so close to me mm-hmm. and at the time we didn't have internet, so we didn't speak much and I was mourning for them not connecting to me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So this was mm-hmm. pretty profound for a little girl. She was eight or nine then. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And also with, with children, I mean, it can be, you know, the loss of a pet, the loss of mm. friends. Uh, people moving, changing schools, feeling unsafe. So mm-hmm. it can be so many things. So it, is it that grief often triggered a sense of abandonment? Is it the main emotion that came with? A common sentence is it, it's like a roller coaster, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know up from down anymore. And it's like, it's an emotional roller coaster. And I mean, it can trigger so many different emotions. I mean, abandonment is one resentment, anger, mm. sadness, guilt. Mm-hmm. Like maybe I could have done something to prevent this. 
mm-hmm. shame. Why mm-hmm. didn't I go and visit more? Why didn't I make an effort? You know, and then you're back to, to resentment and then you're back to abandonment. So it's like, you know, there, there's a huge bundle of different emotions. Mm-hmm. And also, mm-hmm. I mean, I can attest to that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's also uncomfortable emotions like relief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and I recognize this. Skills because, I mean, our daughter Ingrid, she was so ill at mm-hmm. the end. Mm-hmm. She had so much trouble breathing. She had such a struggle. I mean, the poor thing was sweating mm-hmm. every day just to take a breath with oxygen. Mm-hmm. So when she then finally passed, I mean, we had been working for a week and like, listen, honey, it's, it's okay to let go mm-hmm. because you're, the struggle here is so much harder than you just flying up to grandpa, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And the relief was real. Yeah but it also triggered guilt because I didn't yeah. want to see her suffer so much, but I would rather have had her there and healthy, of course. But mm-hmm. so it can be all of these like conflicting emotions yeah, as well that we don't understand. And like, why, you know, am I now allowed to laugh or am I allowed to have fun mm-hmm. again? Am I allowed to feel joy again? And oh my goodness, I, or I, I, I just met this new lovely person. Am I allowed to, to laugh that? again? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Am I allowed? Yeah love again or am I allowed to find a new partner after a breakup or so many conflicting emotions and there's there's no right way or there are no right bundle of emotions to feel is it similar with survival guilt in a way that is one of the emotions it can trigger of course Mm. why I'm still here happy healthy and you're not here it's not fair this kind of why was I yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I recognize how easy it is to create stories in this very vulnerable state. And depending on which story you choose, the rest of your life is going to be driven by this. I recognize this very much because, especially when my dad died very suddenly, I knew there were two paths to, to I could see it <laughs> and I was really carefully managing this, particularly mm-hmm. after the burnout, I choose to live at that point four years on after I recovered from burnout, I was in a pretty good place. I could relate to my parents in a really nice way. So it was a heartbroken moment, heartbreaking moments because our relationship was really deep, really nice, way deeper than before. Therefore, I was really crushed. I felt like I, my body collapsed, like crumbled down in a way, yes. as, as uh, how it felt with my life at the time. Therefore, I didn't know how to live anymore. And there was almost like at that point, there was two choices. Is, do I want to continue living? Like in what way do I want to live? Or do I want to be upset with the situation and focusing on what I miss from this, mm-hmm. right? And... But what I find beautiful from, from the process is that it is integrating both. You feel sad. You allow yourself to feel sad, to cry as much as you want, as long as you want, while choosing to live. And this yeah. is when I realize how important it is to process the yeah. grief. Yes. And it's not one or the other. It's mm-hmm. both. is the symptom of me grieving because we sometimes don't realize we are grieving 
Uh, I mean, in extreme cases. Yes. Like when my father passed away, I was in a serious burnout state. I mm-hmm. had difficulty hearing stuff. Yeah. I had a horrible cough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had trouble processing information. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically your classic, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm about to hit the wall kind mm-hmm. of thing. But that was a, an extreme case. And I mean, like with you, it was not sudden, sudden, but he was so young. Mm. And I was still very young. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't have any, that many tools to, to, yeah, to work cope with. with. Yeah. Uh, and society, I actually went to a doctor with my symptoms and he mm-hmm. said, why are you coming right now? It's like, you know, we have so many patients in the waiting room and you're not acute and blah, blah, blah. So he dismissed what I was experiencing. Mm. Okay. And did not ask any questions like what has happened recently in your life mm. in order to have you feel this? Yeah. And many yeah. professionals forget to ask that question. That's true. Uh, like medical doctors and stuff. But it can also be, I mean, that was an extreme case, right? Yes. But it can yes. also be very subtle things like yeah. you're not really feeling any joy. It's it's a struggle every day. It's not fun anymore. You know, this... Uh, Lethargic. Yeah, exactly. Kind of feeling. Or you mm. have trouble sleeping. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have physical aches and pains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just this unease. And rarely do we think like what has happened in my life recently in order for me or, or late further back. And I sometimes play with my clients like, yeah, it's like everything is on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. You know, we have so many things mm-hmm. in our language. I can't stand this or, mm. you know, all of these, she is constantly on my back or, you know, we have so many expressions in our language. And then I ask the questions like, what, what is it on your shoulders? What, what event took place mm-hmm. or what is it that you can't stand or who is it that you can't stand? And mm-hmm. why are you not feeling safe standing with your two feet on the planet? Mm-hmm. So you know, it can be so many things. So we have, we have this tremendous nervous system in our body and, mm-hmm. and it reacts to, to unprocessed emotions. Emotions. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. And we have to store them somewhere because yep. we, unfortunately we, we, we don't come with an apple cloud. So we can't <laughs> send our, our pains and our difficult emotions up to an apple cloud and just forget about them. They will be stored in our body somewhere. Mm will be the bad knee or the bad back or the heart palpitations or whatever. Often we also don't relate to like chronic pain Mm. that it could have been triggered by an event earlier in life. It's almost like we have to become our old Sherlock Holmes and like investigate like what have I been through? Yeah. What could have triggered this pain? If I look back into my own experiences at the time, I also dealt with the unfamiliar situation with something short term. I remember, Karen, <laughs> during the time of my dad passing away, the after the after event, I binge watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, movies. Yeah. yeah. And and if you ask me afterwards what I was watching, I wouldn't remember anything. No. <laughs> 
that was I was just every weekend, you know, when I'm not working, I just stay at home. I didn't really want to meet people. I feel like God, I just have no energy lethargic, definitely. Uh-huh. Didn't feel like doing sports really. I just feel like I just want to like a hibernating mode in a way. Yeah. But not in a healthy way because I was just watching God knows Korean yeah. dramas, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so do people do this? Yes. Okay. And it's basically because imagine your nervous system mm. has just had one of the top stressors mm. happening. Yeah. I mean, there is a list circling around like what are the big stressors in life? And it's actually death, getting married <laughs> I understand. and moving. Yeah. They're, you know, some of the most stressful events in, mm-hmm. in our lives, but also, you know, becoming a parent and, losing a job or having to apply for jobs. I mean, there's so many stressors. And, you know, obviously death is the number one. And all of a sudden your whole nervous system have to alter the whole reality. Mm -hmm. Stress for the brain for a short Mm -hmm. while. We're built to Mm -hmm. to handle stress quite well. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like our nervous system is telling us, now stop. Mm -hmm. Just binge what for a while. Just mm-hmm. do what you need to do in order to have this sort of integrate. Mm-hmm. And that's why so, I mean, that's why you also hear grieving people talk a lot about what's mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. Because it's almost like they have to retell the story in order for them to call, to yes. understand what happened. Yes. Um, I mean, if you watch like a news channel and something tragic has happened, the relatives are up there by the mic and telling and retelling and retelling their story, right? The coping mechanisms we do in, in the beginning, it can be like, you know, fleeing a bit into fantasy land with mm-hmm. Netflix and books and binge watching and gaming and whatever. It can be excessive sports, mm. uh, eating a lot or n- eating nothing, nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, sleeping a lot or not sleeping, not sleeping at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of these extremes. And that's okay for a little while. Yeah. It's when that becomes your sort of chronic state mm-hmm. that is not good anymore. That's and that's that when you know that, okay, I've been doing this for two years now. Maybe it's time to do an intervention. And uh, we hear this a lot as well, like, you know, time will heal all wounds, which mm-hmm. is absolutely yes. In my I agree. I agree. Because, yes, time will help you. It won't be as acute after a while. But time of in and of itself will not heal anything. Mm-hmm. It's the actions you take as well yes. that will help you process what's happened. When is the best time to start processing the grief? And what can you recognize from yourself when you then need additional support? And what is also very interesting that you just said, Karen, about how different people deal with uh, this differently is how can a family or a unit process Mm -hmm. grief together? When? It depends. It really does. I have clients coming after a few weeks to years later because something else happens and it triggers the whole, you know, the previous losses. I say, trust your gut. When you start and when you listen to a podcast like this, there is a reason and there might be a question there like, okay, maybe it's time now to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And I always say, all my clients are way braver and way more proactive than I was. I took nine years Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. from actually getting the book mm-hmm. to actually doing the work. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we have to respect ourselves because it is a, it is a highly rewarding journey, but it's also painful. And yes. our, our bodies don't like pain. We stay yeah. away from pain. That's yes. Our brains are wired that way. Yeah. So there's a perfect explanation why you don't want to do it. But just sort of help yourself a little bit and just like, you know, if I cleared that up, I could feel so much lighter today. Mm-hmm. Where, what can we recognize from ourselves to get but help? When you start having this feeling like two years of binge watching Netflix <laughs> um, <laughs> might not be the best use of time. My time. Yes. <laughs> or um, I have now become some sort of shopaholic. It doesn't, it's not filling that void. I've been trying and trying. And when you've been using those coping mechanisms for a while and you realize that they're, they're simply not working, yeah. you're, you're eating and eating and eating and the hole is not getting any smaller. Yeah. And it might be also like you, you have physical uh, issues like digestive problems, oh, yes. sleep problems, yes. uh, stress-related pro- problems, some break out in ex- eczema and, and skin problems. Yeah. You have, you know, pressure in the chest. You know that you're not well anymore. Mm-hmm. There yeah. is a dis-ease yeah. in your body. And, and you can sort of suspect that it comes from that event. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we will have that little voice like, okay, I didn't deal with that so well. And it can be that, you know, some stuff has happened in the past and now something happens, like you lose a colleague mm-hmm. to this virus that we have right now as we speak. Mm-hmm. And then you fall into a bigger hole than you than you thought was possible. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it was a colleague. Why am I reacting so hard and mm-hmm. so brutally mm-hmm. to this information? It might be because it's triggering old unresolved things from your past. Mm-hmm. And now the nervous system is like, ooh, now we can process this as well. So let's let's throw all of that in <laughs> because you know, because that the file losing yes. someone has been triggered yes. by by a, an event here and now today. Yeah. The nervous system never forgets what Correct. you've been going yeah. through. So it's just one more pebble in that jar. And at one point in time the lid is gonna fly off. Mm. Yeah. And it, it it depends who we are, how that lid flies off. Mm-hmm. Some people act with rage and start getting very aggressive. Uh, some people retreat and go within yeah. and, and suffer alone. So we're all different. Yeah. Which brings me to the unit. So yes. if if you are a family unit or a group of friends or a group of colleagues and you're grieving the same loss, the loss of a colleague or the loss of a bankruptcy or whatever it is, we have to take a step back and respect how other people grieve mm-hmm. because there, there is no how to or grieving for dummies book out there or whatever. We all go through different stages at different times. We all jump in between all of these stages. We simply can't say, oh, why is he or she reacting in that way? Mm. Mm-hmm. because they are and it makes sense to them and we just have to be 
you know, that on top of everything else that's going on, it's hard, it's difficult, but we just have to respect that we are all grieving in different ways. Mm -hmm. We are Uh, grieving in different ways. This is very important to remember. I learned that. Yeah, I learned that. Exactly. And we just have to take that responsibility upon us, especially now that you've listened to Mm. this, (laughs) to, to understand that, okay, there is no right way and my way is not everyone's way. Mm-hmm. And my way is not the right way and other people's ways are also important. And yes, it creates tension. And yes, we get angry with each other. And yes, I was frustrated with my family members in both big occasions uh, that I've experienced, but we still can't change how other people grieve and neither should we or neither do we have the right to. Mm-hmm. So we just have to stay open and basically do what they say in the airplanes that we used to be able mm. to find. Right? <laughs> yeah. Put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Yeah. Before attending to others. That's what so I didn't fast, do. Yeah, exactly. So the first, faster you yes. deal with your grief mm. and make sure even to take external help from someone that isn't, you know, if that's a, a, a best friend who lives in, you know, who is not part of that family unit or a family member that is not part of your company or whatever, that external resource can be enough. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or you say, listen, I need to have some professional help that is also external, that can hold the space, that is not entangled in the same bundle or the same grief occasion like you are i think that is obviously the the speediest and most clever way to 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 get ahead a bit um to actually process it because all of a sudden when you have been able to have space and deal with your own stuff you have much more empathy and energy for the other people around you Mm -hmm. that are going through the, the same grief, but in, in different ways. How can we support others who experience grief, be it death, loss of a job, divorce, illness, that we're not experiencing the same grief? So how can we help others who are experiencing while we're not experiencing the same? Right. Addressing the elephant in the room is a good way to start. Mm-hmm. There is nothing more frustrating or sad for a person that is dealing with something difficult to have all their friends and colleagues completely ignoring what's happening. Mm. Probably out of fear because what if I say the wrong thing? Mm. How can I approach them? What do I say? I mean, it's difficult. And, and those knowledge, I mean, that's knowledge that we have lost as well. Like, how do we approach someone mm-hmm. that has just gone through divorce or has a relative in hospital right now or has actually lost someone? Or if you're the brave one, approach the person. Mm-hmm. And just, I have no idea mm-hmm. what to say here. Mm-hmm. But just know that I'm here and I'm willing to listen. Should we just say specifically, I'm here if you if you want somebody to speak with or spend mm-hmm. time with? Or should we ask the person, let me know what you need? 
Because mm-hmm. this is also very yeah. tricky, right? <laughs> like, yeah, it is tricky. Yeah, because I mean, many people say I'm here and then they can't be. And that's even worse. Yes. If you say, I mean, be careful what you offer. Yeah. Yeah. And make sure that you can follow up on the offer. Yeah. Don't say I'll come on Saturday and watch your kids and then you can't because you mm-hmm. have a football game. You have to be careful with what you can promise and just say if you if you know that this is way too close to your own grief, mm-hmm. just address it and say, I'm going through something similar. Right now I don't have the capacity, but yeah. I'm here. Just acknowledge mm-hmm. it's a great Great. Acknowledge, right. yes. Okay. Exactly. And then for the, the offering of the stuff, I mean, I still remember people calling us the, the day and the day after our daughter passed away. And they all meant so well. And I know that. And they said, call if you need anything. Mm-hmm. It's just that when you are in that state, there's no way you're going to pick up the phone and call and say, hi, can you bring us some food or can you come and mm. clean or can you I mean no way mm. is that gonna happen. It's like dangling the offer here but you won't be able to actually reach it because you are so devastated that there's no power to to, to actually call that person and ask for that help. So the the easier thing is I mean I remember one person who called that same day and said, uh, do you like Thai food? And we're like, yes, great. I'm there in half an hour. Okay. And I'm not going to stay long. Okay. So it's very specific. When both my parents passed away, because I was much more aware of my own process then, I was very occupied in the moment because in Indonesia, we need to put the body into the ground in less than 12 hours. And you had a list of things you have to do, arranging all these things with different parties in, mm-hmm. informing your families mm-hmm. because in our custom, everybody, when they can, they would like to be there. So they would need to travel to our town and mm-hmm. everything. And I was always feeling so grateful when people just bring food into the house because I couldn't even think of what I want. I'm not, I wasn't hungry, but okay. I know I had to eat because yeah. otherwise yeah. we would get ill <laughs> because we yeah. are so stressed out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I, I really remember, I remember noticing this thing and I said, wow, this is amazing. And even continue to the whole griefing period of 1000 days. This is our custom in, in yes. my culture. Mm-hmm. People still do this. And when they come with cakes, you know, for the prayers and all this, it was really heartwarming and mm-hmm. highly appreciated. Mm-hmm. As you said, I, I had no time to think what yeah. I what yeah. I need because I'm exactly. in the moment to to proceed with things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean it can be as well like like really practical things. Right. If it's a young family, ask, listen, I'm gonna take my kids to the zoo. I'll take yours too. Yeah. If it's a widow, an older person, I will be there on Wednesday, seven o'clock in the evening, and I will, we will go through all the, the mail and all the invoices mm. and all the payments and all of that. Yes. Because it's just too overwhelming. I saw that with my mom, and she was only 55 when my dad passed away, but you divide stuff yeah. in a couple. And, you know, he was always doing the accounting and the taxes. And yeah. all of a sudden that lands in her lap. Yes, yes. She has no idea where to start, right? Yes. So it can be like, okay, what expertise do I have to offer? Yeah. And just offer it. 
but specifically, hi, I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah, hi, I'll come around on Sunday, 12 o'clock, we'll, we'll have some brunch together and then I'll help you with the laundry. And we can listen to music and we can cry together and we can fold the laundry and just like yeah. be there. Yes, yes. Practical, specific, yeah. and, and avoid this open question. What do you need? They have no, I have no idea what I need. <laughs> I mean, if a colleague that is going through a hard time, regardless of what yes. it is, yes. just say, listen, let's go for a coffee. Mm-hmm. Let's leave the office for a little while and go for a coffee. Or let's go for just a walk. go to the canteen and mm-hmm. have, or go for a walk and, mm-hmm. you know, approach them. Yeah. It's so difficult for that person to... Definitely. I recognize this completely. mentioned that there is no specific timeline for grieving. Some people process this in a certain, you know, fast or re- relatively fast compared to others, but there's no right or wrong in timeline. Is there a feeling, Karen, that we can recognize within ourselves that tells us that we are over grieving? Can we be over grieving? This is the first question. And what, how do you I mean, feel about yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, I never say we're going to get over this because it has happened mm-hmm. and it's a huge opportunity for growth, in yeah. my opinion. Yes. I rather say, now let's, let's integrate what has mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. so that you can have post-traumatic growth from this instead of post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. and recognize that life is never going to be the same again. Mm-hmm. It's not. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what happened, it's not going to be the same again. Yes. So, but it's, it's something new and it can be equally or even more beautiful. Yeah. So let's not get stuck in that. It can never be as before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be stuck in that now. I never say, let's, you know, get over this or uh, it will be back to normal soon because it won't. Yeah. And just by stating that, like, it's not going to be normal but it it will be different and it will be as beautiful yeah and as joyful yeah uh when when we have gone through that hard time mm-hmm. and then it's i mean like what, what you saw me do in the beginning i could not speak about ingrid mm-hmm. without absolutely breaking down yeah in the beginning of yes. course because i was still dealing dealing with and over time, I have taken plenty of action yes. to help myself go through this. Yes. So now I can lecture about it without breaking down. It's mm-hmm. still really sad, mm-hmm. but it's not eating away in the background mm-hmm. because I have established a new relationship with my daughter. I always say I send two to school and I bring one, one with me to work, but <laughs> yes. she's present with me there. Yes. So it's when you, when you manage to remember mm-hmm. the memories, the person, all of that, without feeling the physical shock in your body anymore. Mm. Yeah, without the, that's, that's the heaviness. Where, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's where pe- people like, I've, when I think about this person, I feel this shock in my body. It's painful. Mm-hmm. It's scary. Therefore, I'm going to lock everything away. Mm-hmm. In a little chest somewhere, mm-hmm. in my lower back, <laughs> or in my knee, or in my shoulder, and I'm never going to look at it again. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. because it's too painful, too scary, too. Mm -hmm. But that means also that you're locking away all the beautiful things. Yeah, yeah. So I often see people that have gone through loss a long time ago and all of a sudden they realize that as I even speak out the name, it's like being there in the flash. Back again. Like like I'm there again, Mm -hmm. re-experiencing everything with all my senses. Mm -hmm. Um, So I see that when, when you do the grieving journey, when you take the action to release everything from your body and integrate what has happened, you can remember everything and be a bit sad when you need to be. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But you're also accessing all the other beautiful memories. When you are able to access the memory in a more empowered way. Exactly. Yeah. When you feel like you have a life vest to float on. Yeah. Rather than being dragged down under the waves. Yeah. While, you know, thinking about it. So yeah. the actual taking care of yourself and, and give yourself time and space and tools to grieve. It's mm-hmm. like putting your life vest on. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you don't do that, and I felt that too, and that's mm-hmm. why I started taking action, mm-hmm. was that I was dry, drowning every time. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was really hard to get back up to the surface. Yes. So what would be then the cause of delaying or not even processing grief, Karen? I mean, the obvious ones are like if you get stuck in like physical pain, Mm. for example, chronic pain, or you get stuck in life, stuck in resentment, stuck in it's not fair, stuck Mm. in this like... Had this not happened to me, I would have become this mm. or I would have done that. And now because this happened, I can not do that. Mm-hmm. And that is sad. Like, you know, when, when I see that people's potential was never realized. Mm-hmm. Because, I, I mean, I had two choices too. Mm-hmm. And it, I was acutely aware of them. Mm-hmm. I could either take learning from that, which is obviously the choice I made. Or I could have decided I'm now forever going to be the mom who lost her baby. Right. Because it can actually become an identity at some point if you choose to keep it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to pull that card as much as I can. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like I I choose to become a victim here in the story. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that is wrong at all. But there is potential lost. When you, when you stay in that, it's very narrow, it's very small. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's painful. This is the thing, right? When you say yes to something, you are saying no to other things at the same yes. time. Yes. And through my work, I also witness a lot of clients who whose one of their family members decided to stay in the place that you're describing. And it created grief for the others. Because yeah. they could not connect to this person. Exactly. You know, they were the surviving uh, or the one that is there, but this person was not willing to connect uh, yeah. with the ones that are still there. And yeah. this creates, so, so it's a perpetuated another grief. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Absolutely. So, 
that is the cost. And I mean, if you look at unrelated to death, I mean, if you if you have like little mini traumas all mm. all through your life, I mean, take a, a a very simple example. If you were back in third grade and you had this presentation opportunity and the cool kids in the class were just laughing their heads off mm. and your nervous system and your subconscious said, okay, that was not safe. Mm-hmm. Let's not ever do that ever again. Yeah. So whenever there is a similarity out in the world saying you will have to stand in front of an audience or present a project or sell to clients or whatever, the subconscious is going to say, oh, remember third grade, don't mm-hmm. go there, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's almost going to create like a self-sabotage behavior. Yeah. And you're now in your 40s and you're up for promotion and your subconscious is like, remember third grade. <laughs> Don't Not safe. Uh, bup, 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 bup. And you will, again, lose the potential you had because of a trauma that happened in third grade. Mm. That wasn't such a big of a deal, I, mm-hmm. you know, even. Mm-hmm when you look at it objectively, but it has created in you this belief about yourself yeah. that I suck at giving presentations and people will laugh at me. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And now this potential new role will have you stand and present to stockholders or to, you know, clients or, you know, you're an NGO or you have to engage the audience or whatever, or ask for investors. And your subconscious is then running this old thing saying you, you, you suck at presentations and people are going to laugh at you. So don't do it. You know, that's again, it's no one died, but a little part of you believing in yourself did. That is and awesome. you're paying for it now by yeah. sabotaging where the, the potential you could have had. How can people face their grief, Karen? Find a safe person. Mm-hmm. Regardless of technique, regardless of tools, regardless of any of that, find a person that is safe mm-hmm. to hold that space. That it is. is the number one thing. Right. If that is a p- professional that you decide to pay for, if that is your sister, if that is your grandma, if that is a trusted colleague, find someone where you feel like, okay, they have gone through something similar. They understand what I'm saying. We speak the same both native language or emotional language we jive i mean for for us for example we're you know indonesia sweden we jive mm-hmm. regardless you yes, know that's true. because yes. you have that other nuance mm. of language it's not just the language we speak yes so i always say that is the number one thing to say okay i need help clearly i'm going to give myself the time to find that safe person. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to give up until I do. Mm-hmm. So if that means that I have to call or approach five different people, so be it. But I will choose then what my heart says, this is, there's a connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we so often land with different therapists and psychologists and we just go 
and it becomes, it's almost like a, a new bad habit then to just like, I can't cope with life unless I have my weekly mm. <laughs> session with the therapist uh, and you're not moving on. With yourself, uh, and that yes. can also be a, be a trap, right? Yeah. So you know, just find someone that is safe and that you have a feeling that they want you to heal. I think those are the two. I, I went to a, to a therapist for six months, weekly, and I just didn't. I mean, after a while, I just like this is not bringing me anywhere. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. So I had to be really brave and say to that therapist, like, listen, this is going to be the last session because. Mm-hmm. Nothing is bringing me forward any longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great in the beginning when I needed the crutches, but nothing really is happening anymore. And then the next person is going to stand there ready to take you mm-hmm. to the next step. Do you have any tips, Karin, on how we can manage when the situation is unexpected somehow? A couple of weeks ago, I was completely having a great day. And then two people share with me their connections to COVID-19 victims. Okay, mm-hmm. And then they were telling me the story about how the, the, the relatives of their good friends, or even one of them is their, their, their own relative, ha- died by themselves very quickly. And they couldn't mm-hmm. be seen or met or accompanied as they were dying. It, it all of a sudden hit me that many, many, many people in the world yeah. experienced this. And I had this overcome, sad, I, was very, I was overcame by this sadness, this cloud of mm-hmm. sadness. And I was very overwhelmed by that. Mm-hmm. So when we are simply facing, it doesn't need to be by COVID. It could be by anything. There's a news coming and all of a sudden you're like, yeah. oh my God, you empathize for them. <laughs> yes. What can yeah. we do to manage our situation so it doesn't overcame or overpowered us? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's basically when, when almost like you, you get a, a shock. Yes. Right? And that's when my other little tool comes in, and that's okay. tapping. Okay. I swear by tapping. Yes. Because <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's emotional freedom technique. And I mean, nowadays, there's so many different forms of tapping, so I just say tapping. Yes. And it's basically acupressure mm-hmm. that you can perform immediately on yourself in order to help your nervous system stabilize quickly. Right. And it also puts the brake on the cortisol flushing your system mm-hmm. when you receive that shocking news or right. this overwhelm. You know, there are tons of tapping videos. I have plenty of material on my website as well. But mm-hmm. what I will just say to people is start tapping just underneath your collarbone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just take your, all your fingers and just tap around and follow down below the, 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 the collarbone. Bone. Okay. Or even on the side of the hand here, just tap away yeah. and just breathe. Mm-hmm. And with the emotional state, just accept where you are when you are there. Like, oh my goodness, that was really scary. Mm-hmm. Or if you have to cry, you cry. If you're angry, you're angry. Yeah. And you just tap and help your nervous system to say, even though I'm feeling all of this, I'm not in a life-death situation. situation. Mm-hmm. So that can actually bring you to get, you know, balanced quickly after mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Everyone can use tapping. You don't have to have the certification. You don't have to have a training. You don't have to have X amounts of sessions before. Anyone at any time can use tapping. Mm-hmm. And you can't harm yourself. You can't ruin anything. 
uh, it doesn't, you know, ruin medication or treatments or yeah. anything. Add on piece of Lego that you can <laughs> attach. Yes. And, and you can also do it with kids, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. totally. I do it a lot with my kids. Yes. For different reasons, from study stress to fall off a bike to whatever. How can the listeners reach you when they feel like they wanted to get your help and also yeah. to get the resources that you have to help them? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I have a brand new website. It's mm-hmm. karenhageline.ch. I put blog posts up there. I put information up there all the time. I work a lot online and especially mm-hmm. now, of course, but you know, I have clients really worldwide, so there's no problem uh, to connect via mm-hmm. Skype or Zoom or whatever technology. Yes. Like I said before, with choosing the right person for you, I always offer a 45-minute discovery session first. It's not on my website, but that is an offering here and now to, to the people that are interested, just to see as well that where you can ask all your questions, where you can see how I work, how I sound like, how how it is in a one-on-one environment. And then, you know, to see that, you know, if, if the trust is there, if, the, if, if it clicks. Yeah. So, so that is something I offer as well. That's wonderful. And the resources for the tapping is also in your website, yes? Absolutely. I have a whole blog post with videos, <laughs> you know, what is tap, what is EFT, I think it's called now. Yes. There you go. You can reach... Karen through www.karin K-A-R-I-N Hagelin H-A-G-E-L-I-N dot C-H There you can find all the information and before I close I also would like to mention that Karin mentioned this trap emotions in the body that <laughs> create cause pains and aches and things because of the grief if you guys are interested to release these things you can also get in touch with me through www.upliftmylife.today so hopefully from this episode there are two resources that you can access to for whatever it is that you need allow yourself to feel what you feel when you feel it without judgment without trying to fix it and just know we're in a human body and we have emotions and it's all fine emotions won't kill you just give it space and allow yourself to be where you are thank you so much and thank you everybody for joining us i will see you again in the next episode